I reached out to the deacon that married us and I said, hey, you know, my husband just walked out. He wants a divorce. And deacon said, hey, you're no longer welcome back here. Don't contact us again. And so I just, faith went out the door. Yeah. Like, I still believed in God, but there was like no connection beyond that. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church YSM. We hope you enjoy these stories. You are listening to the Your Story Matters podcast, a podcast by Collective Church in Frederick, Maryland, where um, people from Collective sit down and share their stories. They share the highs and the lows, the good and the bad. Um, but more importantly, share the moments where they experience God and His grace and His peace um, and His goodness. And I'm really excited for today's episode. Um, we are in the home stretch, and I'm sitting down today uh, with Janine, who has been at Collective since like the very, very beginning, and who was our first ever baptism. And I'm really excited for her to share how she got to that point. Um, but really what's happened after that, because it was almost six years ago. And so uh, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, it's a great episode to jump in on. But I do want to encourage you, because we only have a few left in this year-long series, um, to make sure to go back and listen to all of them, uh, because uh, this, this really isn't about one person, but about a group of people who call Collective their church home and um, what God has done through all of their lives and our hope is that when you hear these stories and you um, kind of experience what God has done in these people's lives, uh, it helps you with your own story, helps you draw closer to him. Um, because if you listen to all of them, you'll really see just how good he is in the highs and the lows. And so, uh, Janine, I'm so excited for you to record today. I, you've, Like I said, you've been a part of Collective since day one. And people that go to Collective know you, right? They see you and they're like, oh, I know Janine, but they don't always know your story. And a lot of times they know the, you know, coming to Collective in the past six years, but there's a lot that happened before that. And I'm really excited for you to share kind of the fullness of that um, so people can kind of get a better glimpse into to who you are. So, um, Janine, we're going to start with the most intrusive opening podcast question of all time. Tell us about your childhood. Tell us where you grew up, what was family like, and what was faith like if there was faith in that childhood? Okay, so um, grew up with my parents, still married 42 years now, wow. two younger sisters, and I was the oldest, so I got moved around the most. Um, I think I was born outside Philly, Connecticut for eight years, and then South Jersey, where I went to school um, for the remaining years, and then college and everything else. We were raised in the Catholic Church. Both my parents were also raised in the Catholic Church, went to Catholic school, and so it was important to my mom to have us be in church. Yeah. Um, I never understood. I mean, I guess it's hard as 
it's more of a religion than it is a faith base. Sure. But to have us in there, it was something they knew, so they just wanted to make sure we were a part of it. My dad never went to church with us, um, only for special holidays, of course. Um, But it was like every Sunday you had to go. Um, When they had like the CCD classes, we all went to that. So just a little bit of everywhere with that. Um, There wasn't a a relationship with God. So it was you went to the church, you did the sacraments, you did everything you were supposed to do up through eighth grade. Um, But in middle school... I had a friend that I met who always invited me to her youth group. Yeah. And so we got to go on trips and make memories oh, cool. and okay. stuff like that. Like the crazy thing where, you know, you're in the church van going on a trip yeah. and they do Chinese fire drill and the girls are sitting in the van while the guys run around outside of the van at a red light. Yeah. But looking back, I know that I was trying to figure out, you know, where I started listening to Christian music, where I started doing stuff on my own. And it's, the little seeds that came from all that. Yeah. So, and your your mom was cool with that. Yeah. Like, they're like, hey, as long as you're doing good things, yep. Jesus things. So even though they raised you in the Catholic Church, um, it was mostly because that's what they knew. But you still had a really good experience kind of experiencing something different. What was that like in middle school, right? So, like, you grow up in the Catholic Church. You've done all the things, mm-hmm. you know. But then all of a sudden you start doing, like, youth group stuff with a non-Catholic church, did that for you create some tension or did it create some wrestling in your heart where you were like, oh man, like I hear about God every Sunday in the church my parents are bringing me to, but this is different. You know, were you even at an age where you could kind of like figure out that or did you just kind of think it was all connected? I, um, not sure I knew the differ- yeah. differentiation. Yeah. In all fairness, on Sunday mornings, we were supposed to be there. Probably didn't pay attention. Yeah. Like, still had the hymnals, still sang, still yeah. did whatever it is, but I wasn't comprehending because a lot of the messages, at least then, were the same, like, gospels over and over sure. and over again. It wasn't, if they talked about, like, during the sermons, you, it wasn't relatable yeah. to anyone yeah. that wasn't an adult sure. and going through adult things. Sure. I honestly don't remember a single one. Yeah. Um, but I just know that I liked being a part of that group. Um, and doing the things. It was only sixth and seventh grade because she okay. moved in eighth grade. But I guess once she moved, what happened from there? Did you keep doing the Catholic Church? Did you? Because a lot of times people share on this podcast that they they grew up in the Catholic Church. It is a very common theme, specifically people who grew up in the Northeast. You know, it's like Maryland North. That's a common thread. But then there's this moment where they get to middle school. And their parents are like, eh, go or don't go. Um, was that the same for you guys? Or was it like, we're going every Sunday? And you did that all the way until college. Mm-hmm. Pretty much go every Sunday yeah. unless, you know, obviously you were sick or parents sure. didn't feel well. There was a little lax in high school, but not as much. Okay. It was still kind of, it was something I knew. Yeah. Um, so to go where I was comfortable. Yep. Even though I wasn't understanding why I was doing it. Yep. So finding that out as growth is just, you know, a lot of times like, I remember times in college where I wanted to try the, the New York Christian church that someone yeah. had invited me to, but for whatever reason didn't, but always fall back to the Catholic yeah. church because it was something. Sure. So Yeah. Yeah. And that is one of the good things about people who grew up in the Catholic church is there's always this feeling of like, well, at least I, I, I know, I, I know that place and I know what they're going to do and I know when to stand and when to sit and when to kneel and like all that stuff. Like there's, there is a comfort with it. Um, but for you, 
like, let me ask the question in this phase of life, like that middle school, high school phase, what was faith like? Um, Because you're going to church every Sunday, but do you feel like you're close to God? Do you feel like, you know, there's belief in God, obviously, um, but do you feel like you had like a, a real faith, an active faith or anything like that? No. Looking back, like I know now, I do sure uh, more yeah. so, but yeah. back then probably not. Yeah. But without those, you know, little seeds that people planted, without the invite or without the hey, let's come to this. Yeah. You know, everything happens for an absolute reason, and not to say that as a bad thing. Sure. It's just that there's little seeds that get planted sure. along the way, yeah. and you don't realize how big of a difference they can make in life. Yeah. So that got you to college. You know, you thought about like maybe stepping out of the Catholic Church and trying something different, but typically you stayed back in the Catholic Church. So is that kind of what the run of college was like? Yeah, um, there was a Catholic Church right off the side of campus. Um, I went to, well, I went to Shippensburg University, okay. so I went in the um, country, yeah, <laughs> so to speak. Um, but. I remember at one point in time, again, don't remember how I met the friends, but there was a group of college-age youth, I guess, um, that went to another Christian church. I was invited once, and that was it. I wasn't invited again, but I remember going on like ice skating trip with them. Yeah. Absolutely loved being around them and talking about stuff. But, you know, I like how we encourage here, keep inviting them. Yeah. Yeah, because absolutely. you never know. I was invited once and then just didn't, and I was just like, well, I don't know how to get to this place. But let's go to this place because this is what I know. We do have a tendency in church to give the invite one time to Christmas or Easter or grocery store buyout, which this will come out a few weeks after. And when someone says yes or maybe or no, we like check this box and go, that person, boop, like I'm done. I no longer have to invite them. And what we miss is it takes time. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't just take time. um, It takes the person understanding that you actually care about them beyond checking the box of giving an invite card out. Um, you know, you've been at Collector for over five years, and so how many stacks of three by three cards, you know, have you taken home in five and a half years? Because we put them on seats for grocery store buyout, for Christmas, for Easter, and it's really easy to look at that and say, "Oh, the monotony of invitation." It's like, no, like it could take you an invite card multiple times a year for multiple years for somebody to show up. It could also take, you know, that person multiple cards receiving to go, okay, I'm gonna check this out and feel like they actually want me here. You know, and so what you're saying is you got the one invite and you're like, oh, this is really cool. And then it was like, they checked your name off this list and it was like, cool, we did what we needed to do to get Janine here. Now it's on her, but there's so much more, yeah, you know, to build in, that community. You know, it's college, it's before all the smartphones and everything yeah. else. You have no way yeah. to like find out to reach these people. Yeah. Yeah. You don't remember their last name. Yeah. It is what it yeah. is. Okay. So college at Shippensburg, middle of nowhere, very different than Jersey. What was that experience like? I enjoyed college. It was kind of also a growth period for me. Yeah. Everything is in life. I was very more shy and quiet in high school and in college it was like I just like would talk to everyone and anyone I'd be like I don't know anyone so well let's just make friends and we're gonna do what we do and remember orientation day talking to people I had no idea what their names were but we had conversations yeah. so I was able like I guess to be out on my own and you're kind of forced into this place like my freshman year I guess 
there was overcrowding, so we got put into suites. So I immediately had three other roommates in the one room, and then on the other side there was an additional four. So yeah. we, you know, I kind of got thrown into it all at once. Yeah. There was one girl on the other side that went to church. Again, don't know which one, but a lot of them didn't. Yeah. You know, they grew up going to a Catholic church, but then as soon as college hit, they were, yep. no thank you. Um, but, yeah, I um, I met a lot of cool friends and did that. I had actually met at college um, my future ex-husband. <laughs> um, but I met my husband there, and, um, you know, we got together and – eventually you know ended up getting married and all that such not yeah um, and then later divorced (laughs) so well and how old were you guys when you met 21 okay so you graduated yeah and then how long was it until you guys got married a year okay we had the wedding planned as i said initially up for october but got postponed till december and uh december of 05 okay my husband worked in Frederick. Well, he worked in Ellicott City and then got a job at U.S. Amherst. So he okay. was working in Frederick, um, and it was just cheaper to move to Frederick. From We were in Hagerstown for a little yep. bit because it was cheaper. Yeah. Um, but then it was more cost-effective. Then he started going to school, so he's taking classes at Hood. And yep. He needed to be able to work, and it was just easier to yep. be in Frederick. I was a certified pharmacy tech. I could pretty much work anywhere. Yeah. And so that was the nice part about that. Had so. you been to Frederick before? Nope. I'd say I'd probably traveled there because yeah. it was different than more residential was Hagerstown sure. Sure. and Frederick was more of things to do. Yeah. And then that's shifted over the yeah. years. Um, so I'd probably been there like a few times, but yeah. I didn't know anyone. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So we just up and went over. Sure. So you guys were married for, you said two and a half years? About when, I guess the full, when before he, yeah. like, we separated. Yeah. No rhyme or reason. I still asked him, hey, what's going on? What happened? Never said anything. So I really never had a reason. So that yeah. was always a bit of a struggle for me. One thing I promised, you know, I told him, because he was always a very quiet guy, which not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but I told him, hey, I promise not to push you if you're feeling things, but you need to promise to communicate with me. Yeah. And that was a promise we made to each other, but he didn't hold up that end of the bargain. Yeah. So things were probably bothering him, but he never told me. Yeah. And I didn't push because I promised him that I wouldn't do that. Yeah. But so there was a, probably a bit of a communication barrier, but it was, you know, like I'd always try to talk. But yeah. Well, and you're not that old at that yeah. point, right? You're 23, 24 years old. So when he left... Um, what was faith like during that time? Because, you know, with college, you know, you said the Catholic Church was always there if you needed it, but it seems like it was a little bit yeah. of like a wrestle. It was. So when he had first walked out, I reached out to the deacon that married us. And I said, hey, you know, my husband just walked out. He wants a divorce. And deacon said, hey, you're no longer welcome back here. Don't contact us again. And so I just... Faith went out the door. Yeah. Like, I still believed in God, but there was, like, no connection beyond that. Yeah. And started making all those wild, horrible decisions sure. that we all in when we're in a season. Yeah. So. Well, how long did that season last? <laughs> um, a lot longer than I would have liked. Yeah. Um, I did eventually meet someone that I was with for six years. But again, we were doing the things that I'm not proud of, um, sex before marriage. And, you know, he was always honest that he didn't want to have kids. But he would always say, if it happens, it happens. And I held on to that 
if it happens, it happens. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm okay with not having kids. And I just slowly ate me inside. And what I didn't also like that with each person I dated thereafter was that I was forced to keep my faith separate. I was living, living two separate lives. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, I realized I don't want that. Like, because of faith is very important to me, but I was kind of shoving it in a corner and living a life and then just doing it on Sunday or when I volunteered. And it was just not healthy for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk to me about, because one thing I know about your story is, is we, you know, the, the faith part where you're in a relationship with this guy and this happens a lot where people, people are dating somebody and they're like, Hey, I'm cool with you having faith. I'm just not going to have it. And you realize pretty quickly, you're not actually cool with it. Like you say you're cool with it and they're not being like aggressive against it. Like he's not like slashing your tires. so he can't go to church. But you realize when someone isn't for it, like it's really hard to have that faith. But for you personally, you know, you, your husband walks out and the deacon of the Catholic church that you essentially had had roots in for your whole entire life says, no, yeah. like we're done. We're not doing this thing, which is very normal in divorce in a Catholic church. It's called excommunication. My aunt, well, she's not really my aunt, but we, you know, she's essentially like an aunt to me. I remember as a kid, she went through a divorce and she was excommunicated. And I didn't go, I wasn't going to church at the time. I didn't know it was a thing. And for a long time, I honestly just thought, you know, maybe she made up this story. But the more and more I sit down with people and have conversations and people sit at this table, the more you realize like, no, it is, it's a, it's very much a thing. And so you get excommunicated from the Catholic church because of your divorce. Um, you start dating a guy who isn't interested in faith. And, and that was actually a little bit later. Yeah. Like there was, it was like, okay, well, what do I need to do to find my other person? Sure. And start dating and doing all the things I'm not supposed to do. Mo- mostly just, yes, I was having sex. I was having yep. sex outside of wedlock and not all the time, but doing the things that, hey, this is what, you know, you're yeah. supposed to do when you're single. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> it's not healthy. Don't do it. I don't recommend it. But all those things. But then that was the second longest. I mean, that was probably the longest relationship I'd had. But yeah. it still wasn't healthy. Like, yeah. I was happy to an extent. Yeah. But then, you know, I wasn't reading the Bible. I yeah. wasn't doing anything that I used to do that there was a point in my 20s where I was all about that. But it was just gone. Yeah. So, so in light of everything that you went through kind of post-divorce, what drew you back to faith? Because because um, I would say that the moment you call the Catholic Church and say, hey, I'm going through this divorce, and they're like, you know, you're out, you're not allowed to be here. If you never went back to church again, right, you 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 are a person who could say, I was burned by the church, right? And, and, and people say it all the time, and it's because, like, they don't like worship at a church, and they're like, I left because I didn't like worship, and I was burned. And you're like, no, you weren't. You weren't. Like, or you know, you try to hold people to standards, right? Um, you know, someone leaves because you hold them accountable to something that they shouldn't be doing. And they're like, I was burned. And it's like, no, you were held accountable, right? Like there's a very different differentiation between those two things. But for you personally, you could have stepped out in your mid twenties and said, the church told me not to come back. But eventually you, you start going back to church, you know, why? Because you could have just stepped out and like believed in God for the rest of your life, but not actually like leaned back in. So it kind of brought you back. So 
Before I had met who I was with uh, for six years, I did date a guy that was a horrible person. Um, we were engaged at one point. Another thing, he was very um, mentally and emotionally abusive. Um, but during that, we also, what we did, like church shopping, we checked out some churches okay. to go together. Um, it still wasn't healthy what I went through, but we went, we talked with a bunch of different people. So regardless that he was there with me, I had conversations okay. with different pastors, okay. different people. Um, and that kind of helped drew me back. Um, he then later broke up with me, uh, broke off the engagement and started dating someone else probably was before, but that's another thing entirely. And I, so I was still going to that same church and I just told him, I said, Hey, you can continue to go here, but do not come to the same service yeah. I'm at because he kept trying to, Oh, I still want to sit with you in church. And I'm like, no, 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 you can't like not. And so I went there for a while until I eventually ended up moving to Maryland. And then I had a friend that was a pastor at a Methodist church. Yeah. And so I was like, well, it's someone I know. So I'm going to yeah. start going here. And there was, I said, nothing wrong with it. Just ended up being just a lot of people, not my age and yeah. not, and many people that I could relate to or have an experience with. Yeah. So how long um, were you involved in that church? Um, a couple years. Yeah. Maybe three ish. Yeah. I don't know. I, as I said, I wasn't super looking for something, yeah. but then. Well, and like all these things kind of overlap a little bit, yeah. right? Like you're, you're going to this church. Were you serving at the church? Yes. Okay. So you're, you're, you're kind of involved in a church. It's not Catholic, mm-hmm. definitely not collective, you know, but it's, it is more active. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so your faith kind of in your 20s, like in, in all that season, like, do you feel like it's growing? Do you feel like you're growing closer to God? Do you feel like there was this like connecting point in your brain where you're like, oh, wait, it is about a relationship with Jesus. Are you still just kind of like I'm doing spiritual disciplines and I have faith? Like what, what was that like leading up to kind of the collective stuff? Right. So I was still in my 20s when I went to the Presbyterian Church. Yeah. Um, near Gettysburg, so out in Fairfield. And then then I started, like, you know, with a community that was around there and seeing what they do and how they read from the actual Bible and not just reading from hymnals. Yeah. And they offer necessarily classes, but other groups to do different yeah. things. They don't, not sure if they had Sunday school there. But then later, when I moved to Maryland and went to the Methodist Church, that's when I was with um, Ben and the, the six-year relationship. Yeah. I did some Sunday schools. We didn't have it every Sunday, but I was with the three and four-year-olds, which yeah. a total of three of them, yeah. maybe at once. Yeah. Um, it's very different. But a lot of, yes, but I would help with sometimes. We didn't have like a youth group, but we'd sometimes yeah. do things like after service, like one Sunday a month, they would have like a little luncheon and just to be there to be with the kids and yeah. something I've always loved doing. Yeah. But Do you feel like your faith was, was growing through yes. that season? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's um, probably the Methodist is the start of where it really started yeah. to grow and to be where, you know, I, I was going to say that's the place where I needed to be, but yeah. spiritually from that Presbyterian to the Methodist yeah. church, which unless you get down the nitty gritty, same basis. Pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Similar. They both have similar styles, similar teaching. So that leads us to January of 2017 Mm -hmm. um collective is not a church yet i mean we are but we're not you know we're in pre-launch but we're in like pre-pre-launch right there are definitely people who've shared on this podcast who 
started showing up like the summer of 2017, right before our opening day. Um, January was the first time we had had like a public, hey, come and learn more about this church. And we would meet in the back room at Flippin' Pizza, which it's no longer Flippin' Pizza. I think it's called Flamin' Pizza. And it's like a vape shop as well. Um, it is definitely is. It's weird. It's different now. But, you know, there there's a few families and, and people have shared on this podcast, Chris and Maggie Wells, you know, we're a part of this, an episode coming up with CT and Rachel Thompson. You know, there's like 15 of us maybe. And I remember... Were, I think it's that it was a Sunday afternoon. I'm pretty sure it was that Sunday. You sent an email to like info at forfrederickproject.org slash church or whatever it is. Not a good email address. <laughs> um, and you're like, hey. Oh, it was like floodgates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but it was like, hey, I'm, I'm a part of a church right now that I love and they've been so good to me, but... There aren't many people my age, and I and I while I love being there, I kind of feel like it's not the right fit for me. I'm trying to find my people. Can I come to this thing? And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the first person who is interested in coming to a collective thing. You were like, because at that point, you were the first like guest that showed up at these pre-launch meetings. And I think I emailed you back and I was like, we'd love to meet you. We're like, and I tried to explain, it's not church, but yeah. it, it is church, <laughs> but it's not church, right. you know, because a lot of people get really thrown off in the pre-launch stuff. But you showed up to our first thing like ever, our first real thing ever. Talk to us about that. Like what, what got you to that moment? What was that like? Because like I felt like the whole thing was weird. So for you showing up, that had to be incredibly yeah. bizarre. So... Someone literally, so I was still dating um, the guy um, living in Buckystown, um, as I said, not looking for anything. And I don't, re- I think I might have sent that to you after I met you. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember the timeline of it. But someone literally shared an event on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, look, cool, a bunch of Christians getting together. No idea the age group whatsoever. Yeah. And I think my boyfriend at the time was working on my car and I said, Hey, I really want to go to this, but it's dead in the driveway. And so I asked his friend to give me a ride. As soon as we got there, he abandoned me. And I was, (laughs) I was like, okay, cool. And I obviously completely gravitate towards the table with the adults and the kids. Yeah. It was weird, but you know, you learn to adapt and you just kind of go with it. Yeah. Yeah. We did another one a few weeks later and you came back. And then we did another one, and you came yep, back, came back. <laughs> and then we served at the race, and we started doing worship. You showed up. You just kept, like, kind of leaning in. I kept wanting to help and be a part of something, yeah. and I felt like here I was actually yeah. being a part of something. Yeah. Yeah, and what's what's crazy is um, I think it was, like, spring of 2017. Again, we're, all, we're pre-launch. We're not meeting on Sundays yet, and we're like, hey— we're going to start a, you know, we ha- we'll do children's ministry on Sunday. Anybody interested? And you're like, yeah. I, yeah, I think in the beginning I helped out with that. And then I veered off and did try to do um, production team yep. for a bit. And yeah. then we lost a huge chunk of the children's team. Yep. And I was like, I already know I'm good with kids. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, but. Yeah. So I was trying to struggle, but I was like, I'll help out for a bit. Yeah. Y'all never let me. No. Nope. Never let nope. me <laughs> No, because our kids loved you and they love being around you. But. Um, which I know for you was, was a blessing, but it's also attention, right? Cause you didn't want to just be back in the kid's space 
you know. Um, but at that time, it was good for me because I was super struggling with the relationship I was in and trying to break free from that. And we would have those, you know, vision nights at different places. Like one was at Mosaic and I was just crying the whole time, but you can go and play with the kids. Kids don't ask questions. They just let you be. Um, (laughs) I didn't want to face the hard questions because I was just crying nonstop for the longest time. And so, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of it was Jesus is working on your heart. Mm -hmm. He's working on your soul. You start being around people that love you unconditionally, and it's not in a relationship. It's just friendships, right. you know. Like that's the the way God created us to be around other people. We long for that. Often we find them in relationships, you know, and and they can get you know marital in nature essentially. And you're like, man, this longing in my heart for community is real. God puts that on us. But then you start experiencing people, just friends, who like love you unconditionally, um, and it messes with you. Yeah. Uh, and we're not even like. We're just like existing, you know? What what I don't think people know is that pre-launch phase for you was really hard. God started to wreck you in the chaos of pre-launch. Like we're not even, I'm, I mean, and I, was, I wasn't even preaching yet. We're, we are talking, but I'm like, yeah, here's who we are as a church kind of stuff. Um, but, in, but during that time, like you were growing in your faith a ton, but also you were wrestling with this relationship. And we're still in pre-launch. And at this point, I think you email me and you're like, hey, like, can we get coffee? Yeah. Uh, I'm ready to get baptized, but also I'm in this relationship. Yeah. And we sat down at the coffee shop at Starbucks yeah. on 7th Street. And the conversation was, hey, I'm in this relationship and I know it's not what God wants me to be in. I want to have kids one day. I want to be with somebody who um, has faith with me, mm-hmm. right? And like, again, he wasn't sandbagging you and he wasn't like forcing you not have faith and and which is almost more dangerous when you're in a relationship because you almost want them to like hate your faith so you're like well clearly this is the wrong relationship (laughs) but that's not what he was doing he was very okay with you having faith but like it was not something he was interested in and you kind of got to this place where you had the conversation with me i didn't even have to ask you you're like i need to break up with him before i get baptized you're like, I got I to gotta make this decision that God wants me to do, and then I'm going to make this next decision that God wants me to do. And I remember walking, getting out of the Starbucks, and I think I called uh, my wife Ray immediately, and I was like, how, how amazing is this thing where I don't even know what we're doing right now. Like, we're mm-hmm. trying to start a church, but, but God's clearly been moving in ways that we never imagined. And my first baptism conversation isn't one where I'm going, well— Maybe you should think about the sin in your life. Maybe you should think about this relationship. You're going, I've already thought about it. Um, what what brought you to both of those places? Because those are both big decisions. They're not small decisions. Also, you knew, I mean, we hadn't baptized anybody yet, and, and, and it wasn't a goal in pre-launch. We're just trying to build community and trying to figure this thing out. You also knew, like, hey, that means you'd be number one, which was never, like, your dream. But also <laughs> no. that meant there's a lot of attention which is not, you're not an attention-seeking person. Both of those decisions were hard decisions, very hard decisions. Mm-hmm. Talk us through how you got to that point. It, it was a lot of signs, honestly. Um, I think with the relationship aspect, it was just something I was fighting for years and being around the community that pre-collective even had yep. was enough to like, hey, I'm seeing how these people, uh, these couples, for example, have that relationship. And it's like, just embodies their whole life. And 
I know I wanted that and I know I deserve that, even though still for years later, I still didn't seek that. Yeah. Um, I knew that I deserved more and that there would be more around. Um, as far as the baptism, it was just, I don't even, I don't know what sparked it. I have no idea. I just, things would keep popping up. Like I went to visit my parents down at the beach, um, Jersey Shore, and one of the sermons I went to, there was a church plant there, baptism the whole way through the service. And I'm like, all right, I hear you. I get it. So I'm like, so we started having those conversations and it was several conversations, but then you're like, how do we get here? What do I need to do? And little seeds here and there just along the way. Yeah. But yeah. And I mean, I did take also like, I wanted to break up with them, but then I also lived with them. So it did take a little bit longer for me to separate myself from that. Yeah. So that was very hard because we still loved each other, but it's just that we had different goals in life and we needed to part ways and it was hard. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I mean, there's no way it was ever going to be easy, but Mm -hmm. you did the hard thing. So. I, I don't know if everybody knows this listening on the podcast. So our first baptisms were not in a trough. No. <laughs> uh, it was Lake Linganore, right? Yeah. And we um, we walked down to the lake opening day of collective. So we had our opening Sunday morning, first church service ever. Incredible. Yeah. Like everything. And, and, and you know this because, so again, you've seen some. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's Which funny. There were like 30 kids that day. Um and we're like, oh my gosh, there's so many kids. And then just a few weeks ago at Collective, there were 133 and kids. And then we were like all in the cafeteria too. Yep. We weren't, we didn't have the separate rooms for the nursery yep. at all yet. But yep. yeah. And, and you know, there's a lot of people that, and Janine, you included, where we'd been like praying about this thing for a long time, but we've been working at it for eight months. Mm-hmm. And we get to this incredible opening day, tons of people. Um, we tear it all down. You know, long day. And then we all hopped in our cars and yeah. and drove to Lake Linganore. And uh, what was that like? Yeah, and, <laughs> and at the time, it, you know, and, it, and just so people know, like for their own imaginations, the, we had 271 people on opening day. 271 people didn't go to Lake Linganore. It, it went back down to... To our team. Yeah. Majority of them were there. And I, I still think of them like it was a big group then. But it really wasn't. <laughs> it was like a lot smaller. But yeah. you know, I ended up rolling down with um, went to Tabby and John's house, yeah. and then rolled down. You know, like because there was limited parking, yeah. so we all kind of yeah. had a carpool. Um, but yeah, I mean, the lake's nice and murky. Yes. You can't yeah. see the bottom. Yes. Yeah. Michael thought there was eels in the lake. I'm terrified <laughs> of water. I can't see the bottom of. Um, but yeah, you know, it's that weird, gooey bottom. But. Yeah. It, it was what it was. Yeah. Um, I don't like, you know, I remember it, but also not remember yeah. it. Like I remember afterwards running to give, you know, like someone the biggest, wettest hug yeah. ever. And I'm like, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> and just it. I was glad I did it. Yeah. Um, yes. Your, my life did not magically get better yeah. by any means whatsoever. Cause I still, you know, would struggle with being alone yeah. and trying to put control yeah. in God's plan. Yeah. And on, I guess until the last, like maybe six months, um, I stopped trying to control it. Yeah. So still growing in that, but I know I've started to just, just let him do his thing. And yeah. um, then maybe that I need to, you know, I've been trying to spend more time consistently 
either reading or listening to stuff. M- music's a big part of my life. Yep. And so I love worship yep. because that's a big part, whether it's, you know, worship on Sunday mornings or just me like singing at the top of my lungs in my car yeah. at yeah. home. Um, it's a big part of who that is. So that super helps me as well. Yeah. So. At the end of the afternoon, that day, end of the night, I guess, there's like 25 of us. And it's been the 25 of us who, from essentially January, like did the weird thing of starting a church. And I remember telling Ray on my drive home that night, like, hey, if this was it, that's really good. You know, and we didn't know what would come next, but um, what a full experience, you know, and not only did you help us get the church started, but then also like started this catalyst of baptisms because um, what we know after that is just a few weeks later, people who were there at the Lake yeah. Linger with us saw it and they were like, wait a second, my faith journey is similar to Janine's faith journey. I've never been baptized. I love this church. This is, these are, this is my family now. Maybe I'm ready for that. And it was like just a few weeks later, we were back at Lake Linganore, you know, celebrating a few more baptisms. And if you think about the way God works and you said it, it's like little seeds, mm-hmm. you know, when you moved to Frederick, it was because of a relationship mm-hmm. and then it fell apart. And I don't think anybody would have said, Hey, but don't worry a few years from now, you know, almost 10 years from now, um, God's going to use you to, to be a part of starting something that you never would have imagined. Yeah. And like, that's literally what happened from day one, Janine, you've been serving in our kids ministry, um, you've been a staple in a lot of that, which is a, a whole other thing. You've been in there long enough to see kids go from babies to teenagers, which is nuts. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit more about the fact you said you got baptized, yeah. right decision. You knew it was right. Like, you know, there's peace in your heart, um, but not every hard thing went away. No. And we say this a lot at Collective, like following Jesus doesn't make life magically easy. It does make it better. Mm-hmm. But it also makes it better through the hard times. So talk to us a little bit more about, hey, what have the last almost six years been like as you've continued to grow, as you've continued to heal, as you've continued to kind of pursue the things of God? And you mentioned some control. So talk to us about that. Yeah. So I would always, you know, still try to date. Still, um, I guess, like, hard way to put it. I was searching for my lifetime person. But I wasn't letting God take the path. I was trying to hold control onto it. And I was like, well, I can't just wait for a man to show up on my doorstep because it's just not going to happen that way. So I have to go on dating apps because it doesn't make any other sense because there's not much around. This is still pre-COVID and you don't go to a bar and meet someone. I mean, you could. It's just weird that it's hard to meet, let alone friends as adults, let alone trying to date someone. Try to like, I would say, this is what I want, but then other people were available. And sure, I was just like, sure, I'm not yeah. going to settle because then there's nobody going to be there. Well, there's going to be people be there. But so I kept just kept trying to do that. Like I would still read my Bible, take notes on Sundays, but I wasn't fully invested. Yeah. Like spiritually and mentally. Like I was doing it just in the practice of saying I have to do this, but it wasn't in my heart, I guess so to speak. Yeah. So, I guess that's, you know, looking back and thinking that's, that was me trying to place control on God's plan for yeah. me. I would always say God has a plan for me, but I wasn't letting him but do that. But you didn't that. like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I've just, you know, I was like, 
at least as I said in the past six months, definitely in the last two, I've just been aggressively doing this. I know that I started feeling better on the mornings that, or on the days where I started in the morning, as far as doing readings, the U version, I had all these plans that I had saved (laughs) and never did. And so I'm finally just starting to go through them. Um, Music's good. But it's not everything. Yeah. So it's just, you know, I want to get to know the stories yeah. and actively reflecting. Because, um, you know, in the summer and in the winter, it's kind of hard when we don't have the small groups. And I have to want, like, I want, yeah. it, want it to get to the point where I want it to read yeah. or I want it to do this. And actively reflecting is something that I'm working on doing yeah. and not just reading to read. So um, that's been a big growth for me. But yeah, I would still date, I would still have sex and i and it was just i think it was the control for longing because i wanted to care for someone i wanted to be there and i would be like i'm all in and then they're like you know a month in they're like see ya or something else on that aspect and it was just i'm looking for love and caring in all the wrong places god's there yeah he loves me yeah even though now and so now i'm just trying to hand him things like I remember when I was younger at some point there was that you know little bit of time where I would just throw my worries to him and things were okay I don't remember where that was in my bit of life but I know I wanted to get back there yeah because feeling a little bit of more peace in my heart so yeah Um, one thing I want to commend you for and, and I don't want people to miss on this this episode is there are certain spiritual things that fit kind of your personality and that you love and you've loved for a long time, right? Community is one of them, right? You're such a community-driven person. Um, you are a great friend to people and you love great friends, right? Um, music is another one of those things that you love music. But you mentioned this, that what you've realized in the past, specifically six months, is those things are like kind of your sweet spot but in order for you to continue to grow, you have to do the things that aren't in your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And that's growth. Like that, that's real growth. Cause you could stick to the, I got my people and I got my worship. You know, I serve cause that's yeah. another sweet spot for you. You love serving. Um, but it's in the doing the things that kind of make you uncomfortable yeah. that have really like brought you to this place in your faith where you're like, Oh yeah. Like I've got those Bible plans I haven't read probably because that's not my favorite thing to do when it comes to my spiritual disciplines. Therefore I'm going to do those things. Mm-hmm. And you're continuing to do the hard work, right? And at some point, the hope is they become habit and you fall in love with scripture and reflection as much as you love worship and community and serving. But I don't want people to miss the fact that so much of of our growth, specifically spiritually, is not cutting out the things that we don't like. You know, when it comes to what God asked us to do, it's like saying, no, we're going to do all of these things and there's going to be the comfortable things and there's going to be things, uncomfortable things. Mm -hmm. And it's really in the combination of both where we feel this like fullness of our spiritual disciplines and our closeness with God. Um, which is what you're doing. Yeah. And um, that's a big deal, yeah. you know. So for you personally right now, what does faith feel like? A growing progress. Yeah. <laughs> Still not exactly where I want it to be, but I think we're always just growing in general. Um, I also, it, it's sometimes hard for me to, um, or at least in the past, to feel like I didn't belong here. Yeah. Because it is very easy to listen to the thoughts in your head that the devil puts in there or whomever else that you're not enough. And yes, you're broken and yes, you're here and say there's too many clicks and there's not. Yeah. You just all it is is just taking that question to ask someone, hey, I need someone to help me with accountability or hey, can you help me with this? 
life is busy, but we shouldn't assume that everyone's too busy to help us because at the same time, it's take the reversal. I know that I would make time for anybody and I know the community here would do that. So um, it's something, it's been a growth process as far as that because, you know, I'm, you know, single, don't have kids, not married. Um, and yeah, I keep busy too, mostly with volunteer work. Yeah. Um, and other stuff I just do at home and I just, you know, to make ends meet. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and so much of your story is the pursuit of love and, and being loved. And um, by default in our culture, we think that means relationship, like a dating relationship or marriage relationship. But you can find that in, in just good community as well and good people. But there is that disconnect where we try to tell ourselves that the only way I can be loved is if I'm in this relationship that, you know, is dating, marriage, engagement, whatever. And it's tough, you know, because we long for it. But we but you put yourself in the right place and find yourself with the right people. You can experience that as well. And um, And I would say, like, I know that you've experienced it in some of the hard moments of your life, that community has always been there, but it's, it's easy when you don't have a need where you're going, are they there? And it's like, no, yeah. no, 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 like they are and they love you. Um, let me ask this question before we get into kind of the final two. So you've been serving at collective for, I mean, it's been six years. So our sixth birthday is going to come just a few weeks after this podcast drops. Um, but you've been serving since pre-launch, mm-hmm. right? Which we started doing services in June that year. You serve in kids. You've probably been in almost every classroom, if not every classroom. Every classroom. Um, you help with our youth. Mm-hmm. You know, you pour so much into them. And again, you've watched now some of those kids go from babies at least toddlers, you held. At the yeah, very yeah. To- least toddlers. Yeah. yeah. Um, to kids that are not that anymore, which is just kind of incredible. Um, but you've you've served, I would argue, every other week for six years, essentially. And then in the beginning, it was... Every week. Probably every week. Yeah, until we um, grew. Yeah, so why? If, if at the very least a small part, if not a large part of it, is I've always wanted to be a mom, yeah. and I love kids. And, you know, I always joke in saying when I get kids, they'll never sleep, but, you know, that's it is really what it is. I, I love being there for them and having that aspect. Um, as you said, I you know, as people have said, like, you can be there – that unconditional loving person for that kid that, you know, they might have at home, but as a different aspect, I can't explain it. (laughs) I do love kids. I love being there and helping them in the same aspect that I didn't have growing up because I didn't have children's church or, you know, what we call uh, the children's ministry. I didn't grow up with that. And I really love that we have that here because I think they're going to learn on a different aspect and it's just getting plugged in right away from day one. And if they're not getting it at home, but need it and Hey, if they only get it on every Sunday or every other Sunday that they're here, I want to be there to help to be a part of that. So for my longing to care and um, to care for people is to be there for the kids because, you know, I have so much love to give. Yeah. So, Well, and I would just say on behalf of all the parents at Collective, the ones that are new, but specifically the ones that have been here since the beginning, uh, we don't know what this would be like without you. And you've been such a staple in specifically my kid's life 
um, that they don't know what life would be like without. I mean, Harper literally doesn't know what life would be like without Miss Janine, right? Because you've been there since, here since the beginning. Yeah. And even Elise was only a year old when yeah. you, when you met her, a little bit over a year. You know, and I, I just I, I know people see you and they know you um, specifically because the hair often changes colors. <laughs> And but there's so much more to it in loving those kids and, and grinding for six years, you know, to to create space for them. It's been a big part of like I and I have, as I said, still sometimes hard as a reflection, but I love being here. What's hard for me is going home. Yeah, because then it's like it's like the it's not. Well, the immediate community is gone. I'm by myself. Yeah. I'm on my own. And so it's hard. It's a hard grinding. And I'm just just really trying to dive with it and just keep busy. Like yeah. I make crafts, I do art, yep. all sorts of other stuff yep. um, to keep me busy. It's a hard ride, but it's important. And that's why I love being here so much. I love being around the kids because it's, it's a wonderful community. Yeah. Whether around the kids or the adults yeah. or young adults. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. When, when other people just don't want to do it, I absolutely love it. Yeah. So, you know, love making the connections and yeah. knowing that, you know, what they're going through, that they're not alone, yep. that everyone's had the same struggles. I had many struggles in uh, middle school, but as you're saying, like, um, with one of the previous podcasts with Eric is, you know, they're going through so much more than we did. Mm-hmm. And just because times are different and changing yep. and just to have that solid, hey, I'm going to be here. Yeah. If you need it kind yep. of thing. Well, and I would say, Janine, our kids know that. Um, there's so many kids in this church that do not know what church would be like without Miss Janine. And we're seeing more of that as those kids go, grow up and as a lot of those kids are now in middle school. And um, you'll be at Youth Collective with them. And you're just such a staple in their life. They don't know what they don't know. And they don't know mm-hmm. um, what life would be like without you, which is, which is really cool. Um, so let me ask this. You know, your life has been bumpy you know you've been really honest with us about how uh, even in in the pursuit of jesus even in like as your faith has grown it really hasn't made some of the hard things easier you know it's made you more aware of unconditional love from friends and like you feel that but it, it doesn't mean you still don't long to be married and have kids one day um so you know you, you you've battled that but in spite of everything that you've gone through, in spite of the opportunities you've had to disconnect from God, disconnect from the church, you know, and then leading into a church plant that was, I can't accurately explain what it was like in Flippin' Pizza. It's, it, we look back fondly on it. It was chaos. Like it was weird <laughs> and uncomfortable and nobody knew each other. And the pizza was okay. Like it wasn't great pizza. Um, but if you had any sort of wisdom or advice for people listening to this podcast, and it could be about anything in your life, what would that wisdom and advice be? Being a part of a community, like you you come here, there's a reason why you're coming here. Um, either you feel broken or you feel a calling to be here. There is a larger community here. And within the small groups, I strongly encourage. Because sometimes, hey, you go to one, not your fit, go try one of the other ones. Yep. Find where you fit in and when you feel like you can be a part of something. And you make those little connections with people. For the longest time, I would sometimes go to the ones where there were no kids. Didn't work for me. Um, I used to, you know, go forth from, like, youth group to that. And that just got too much. I just, I love the kids, but they wear me out. (laughs) At the end of the day, I just want to have the unwind time. Um, And I want to, when I have the small group, I want that focus to be on that. 
But, you know, if you feel like you're all alone, reach out. Yeah. Like, there are so many people here that would love to sit and have coffee with you or tea, because I don't drink coffee. <laughs> but any opportunity. But don't let those thoughts in your head make you think that you're not worth something and that people don't care about you. Because on the times, like, there were so many times that I wanted to try to do things on my own and realized that I couldn't. And so don't decline people if so their way of showing love is caring for you hey can i pick up groceries for you can i do this don't like discount that let them care for you let them know that you're a big part of you know a community and life like you matter yeah and that's a really big thing because i would let those thoughts in my head and at one point i was just like well they're married and there's this and there's these kids and all this um, youth group when I finally joined was something I like instantly felt like I fit in. I was yeah. like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. That's a big thing for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, and what's cool is this podcast is coming out right now. We've been talking a lot about groups. The way we do groups at collective is you can join whenever you want. You know, we don't close them. Um, you can drop in in the middle of the fall and find community. But um, yeah, I mean, we desperately, want people to know that that people here love them you know sometimes it does take that step of saying okay i'm going to show up at a group or i'm going to join the team i'm going to step into these places to put me around smaller groups of of people Um, but we know that once people do that man they find their people it it feels intimidating on sunday morning but um when you lean in the people here are incredible they're wonderful people and there's way more like places that you if you want to join a team there's so many more places for you now it's not just necessarily greeting someone at the front door if you're not a real talkative person you know you want to sit in the nursery with the babies they're great but you know there's so many just places for you if you're unsure have a conversation with someone there are so many people that have been here and just know where to direct you so but being plugged in is very important for me because it just is and it it just really helps me grow yeah that's wonderful um, all right, Janine, last question, my favorite question on the podcast. Uh, if there was a verse or a few verses, you would say, like, these are my verses. This is God, you know, you feel like God wrote these for you. Um, he pressed them on your heart. They sit in your soul. What would those verses be? One of the ones is Exodus fourteen fourteen. It says, the Lord himself will fight for you just to stay calm. Same along the same line. Psalm 32, 7, for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Um, That being a big thing, because I used to not, like my hiding place, I thought when I needed time to unwind or relax, I thought this is time to do nothing. And that was probably times where I should have been reading my Bible and doing the things I was due. And he should be my hiding place instead of me, you know, hiding from everything else he's he's there to be that place so that that was a big one for me yeah that's really good janine um i don't know if i say this enough to you but i hope you know collective wouldn't be collective without you and we wouldn't be here without you and taking a risk and sending a message to a pastor you've never met before and eating cardboardish pizza in a back room downtown um, and leaning in 
And, you know, I, I think for me personally, when we started this church, we prayed that we would meet people whose life could be impacted, but also we prayed for people who like wanted to impact others. And, you know, six years later, like that is so true. And I recognize, and this is kind of a church planning thing, where when you plan a church, the majority of your team that you start with is not there by year three. And that's just standard in church plans. Um, you know, people move, things change. You know, some people leave because they're like, this wasn't what I thought it would be, like that type of thing. And we always knew that people, not everybody would stick around from day one to day, you know, 1,000. And so every time I see you, I'm blown away that, that you have grown with us and healed with us and been through the chaos of portable to COVID to building to expansion, you know, all that. And you've been such a stable and mainstay in in this church, in collective uh, in community and in, in kids. And so, um, Janine, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you sharing your story. Um, and I'm really excited for people to hear as much as you shared, um, because I think it's easy on the outside to go, she's here every week, therefore everything must be great. And you're going, no, I'm here every, every week because I need okay. Jesus. Yeah. And I need to create space for other people. Um, and you do that. And so, Janine, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Mm-hmm. Thank you.